Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time. We met right after college. Yeah, in our first jobs as radio producers. We spent our 20s as wing women for each other, and it didn't work out very well. But then it did. And we found the right guys and stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other. So we went from producers to reproducers. We make it look easy. Which brings us to this podcast. We want to discuss topics that interest us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We're average, not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we'll get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, after season one, I'm pretty sure we already have. (laughs) So welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it, they stop and take a look. Apparently, if your kids are listening right now, make them stop. No, for real. No, for real. No, this is seriously. For really, this episode is not safe for any child to be listening to. Right. We're going to say that up front right now. Right. So, bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hit pause, get them out of the room, and then you can come back. Yes. Okay. Thank you for doing that. So, also, apparently, lying to your kids is okay, to a point. So we're talking about mythical creatures like Santa. Why are you whispering? Because the kids aren't in the room anymore. That's right. Okay. <laughs> the tooth fairy, leprechauns, Easter bunny. Roughly 83% of American four-year-olds believe in Santa. And the people who are in favor of that say fairy tales stimulate the imagination. But critics say these stories set up our kids for derision from their more savvy peers, which happened to my daughter this year. And they also betrayed the trust between the parent and the child. What did you tell your kids about Santa? So um, so we celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas in our house. Um, so we have multiple um, holidays. But So do you have Hanukkah Harry? No, no, no mensch on a bench or whatever those <laughs> other things are. But um, uh, as far as Santa, uh, we ended up. I found something on the internet. I'm sure you've seen it. I think I shared it out with you um, about the magic and the spirit of what Santa represents. And uh, when it came time for them, where they were asking questions, I decided when they point blank asked, it was time. So that's when we had the conversation. And it was rough. I'll, I'll be very honest with you. I bawled. I was crying. And they. I think it caught them off guard because they're like, why, why are you crying? But it symbolized to me like this is done. It's like their childhood is over. <laughs> Makes you want to go have another baby. <laughs> Not that much, no. <laughs> no, uh, but it was it was a very f- fairly traumatic for me to to go through that. But you did have Santa in your house. You yes, know, like that was definitely yes. okay. So we did the same thing. We had Santa, but there were some problems affiliated. So when when Soph was little, she asked if Santa could see her naked. What? Yeah. So I was like, um, uh, well, he sees you when you're sleeping. You he knows. The song. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been better. Don't sleep naked. <laughs> she was like, "What?" Um, but they also um, had some terrible times where they thought they were on the naughty list, and they were like inconsolable. And I was like, "What did you do?" You know. But when they were little, they thought they weren't going to make the list. Wow. Yeah. And then also, we did not have that kind of reaction. My kids are crazy. Um, also, Hannah did not understand. She did not understand money 
So at one point, Clark's winter coat was falling apart, and it was like a, an Italian coat, like from his bachelor days. And he was like, should I get it repaired or should I get a new coat? And I was like, which costs more? And he said, probably the same. And Hanta's like, don't don't buy a new one. Just ask Santa. <laughs> so she thought that whatever she wanted, she yeah. could get because yeah. Santa has deep pockets. Yeah. Did you do the Santa at the mall and stuff? We did, and they were terrified. My kids wouldn't even do it. No. And Mm-mm. here we tell them not to talk to strangers, and we put them in someone's lap. Exactly. Yeah. That in Halloween, and go ask for candy from yeah. strangers. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, the the um the the mall thing that just never happened. And I find it funny every year when I see the pictures that people post of the, taking their kids and the absolute fear. Yes. In their face, and everyone laughs, but it it's that's kind of mean it is mean but i also used those photos for my christmas card i many think times. you did it now that i say it i'm like oh, shoot, I'm oh shoot. Yeah. yeah that was me <laughs> sorry yeah. i'm that mean mean parent um all right did you ever do elf on a shelf no nope so we did the first year when soph was about three someone sent it to us right so and we read the book and every time she walked in the room and saw it she started bawling so you have very emotional, aware children. Apple tree, tree, apple, <laughs> apple. Um, but so I called that the Christmas terrorist or the Christmas KGB. Oh, <laughs> the elf? Yeah. Because they were like, it's, so, it's so designed that... to keep you in line. Like the elf yeah. tells Santa if you've been bad. So mm-hmm. it makes kids monitor themselves. And I just don't know that that's necessary. Yeah, that we just I just said exonate out of that one. I didn't do it. Well, so we went to Facebook and asked people to weigh in on the elf on the shelf, and it was hilarious. So we're going to sort of uh, do a, a quick read of the mom reactions, okay? Uh, we had a thread of moms who wanted to off the elf. Yeah. All right, so mom it's one. It's a fairly polarizing topic. Yes. Mom one. Our elves haven't arrived yet, and they must have gotten stuck somewhere due to the weather. I'm dreading their arrival. <laughs> How about mom two? Is it possible to delay their arrival, like, indefinitely? Mom 3, they could be in a deadly crash. We can stage the carnage. <laughs> Mom 2, I'm, I'm in on that one, actually. Then I weighed in. I said, this just took a turn to the dark side. Um, Mom 3, what they said, oh dear, more future therapy bills. <laughs> <laughs> Mom 2, pretty sure this is the therapy. Oh, you meant for the children. <laughs> Mom three. And uh, your next podcast can be how to kill off your family elf on the shelf. And then mom two said we'd be happy to be your guests. Um, (laughs) But more seriously, though, we did have someone who messaged us and said that um, she had a problem with all of this sort of elf on the shelf and leprechaun thing um, because it it makes people compare. And there's this keeping up thing. Right. So what if you're a working mom with three jobs, just keeping it together to keep the Santa and tooth fairy magic going? What if your job requires travel? What if you're from a divorced family? There's so much anxiety. Um, You know, yeah. Could I do elf on a shelf? Yes. But. If, what if the kid sitting next to my kid at school has one of those moms who does the super duper elf on the shelf? Or what if the kid has a mom who doesn't do the elf on the shelf at all? Yeah, They're, keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, it's it's fraught. So um, we also asked people to, to weigh in on Santa Claus. Yeah, that got pretty serious, too. Yeah. Um, uh, one mom said, I like the fantasy and wonder. I still like to believe in Santa and the spirit of Santa. I encourage fantastical and creative thinking and make believe even after the gig is up. My teenagers still get gifts from Santa, wink, wink, and they know they won't get any if they don't believe. 
what is believing anyway? It's believing differently as you get older. I love Santa as a kid and love the magic and fantasy of this day. I don't consider it lying per se. Another mom says, I told each of my girls when the gig was up that it was really about the spirit of the season. My two older ones were sad at first, but then they helped keep Santa alive for my little one. Um, when she came to acknowledge just last week that these characters weren't real, her reaction was similar to my older ones. She said she didn't want to grow up. And while she realized they weren't real, she would still believe in them and in the spirit of the season. So Santa will still have presents around our tree. Uh, Charlotte said, whatever traditions you want, is it lying? I'm not sure I would classify it there. Is it helping children believe in magic? Ultimately, is it revealed that magic does your parents love? It is. And then this one is a super interesting one. Um, Carmen says, I'm conflicted. I was raised without Santa because my parents wanted Christmas to be all about Jesus and didn't like lying. So I never got Santa at all, which was annoying. Whoa. Yeah. So she says, I wanted my kids to experience it, but we treated it lightly with no letter, no milk and cookies, just a present or two that came from Santa, just enough to make it part of Christmas. My eldest... Uh, figure out the truth pretty quickly, but my youngest is almost seven, and I'm getting worried about him being upset about being lied to. He probably believes more because his big brother gets really into it and build up the myth. So if anyone accidentally wants to tell him, I won't be upset. <laughs> Did you ever use a line, um, you got to believe to receive? No. I use that one a lot. Near the end stages of it, you got to believe to receive. They were on the fence, and you were sort of keeping think, them on the fence? Well, they were... Like, they didn't come out and say, Mom, you know, ask point blank. But um, they had doubts, I think. And so it was clear by the way they it came up in a conversation at dinner or whatever. And I would just pull that out. And so I probably forced the hand just a little bit to keep it going just a little bit longer. I'm sure I think in my I was going to talk to my mom about this. But I think when I was younger, um, I perpetuated it longer because I felt like if if it if I didn't, then it would be over. Right, you were in in it to win it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. But and I have younger sisters too, so you know, I had to keep that going too. Right. I don't remember not believing or believe. I don't remember how I found out. I do know that my ten year old came home from camp this year, uh, sleepaway camp, and someone oh. had told her and. It was damn kids. I know. Tar, no sleepaway camp for you. The playground is fraught with that too. There's kids on the playground that'll do it, and that that makes it harder too. Yeah. So, um, so we wanted to talk to someone who might have a little better insight than just average parents. Yes. So, Dr. John Duffy is a clinical psychologist, certified life coach, parenting and relationship expert, and proud husband and father. He's also the author of the number one best-selling book, The Available Parent, and he also happens to co-host a podcast on WGN+. Plus. Uh, it's called Better, and he co-hosts it with his wife, Julie Duffy. Hey, what do you think, John? This is very interesting stuff, you guys. <laughs> it's fun to hear you guys talk about the the parenting dilemmas around all of the, given that there are no kids listening, I love that you sent the kids out of the room, um, given the, the mythology that we are kind of, we've created and forced ourselves to deal with as parents <laughs> because this was done to us as children and somehow we've decided that we're going to keep passing this along generation to generation, even though none of us have yet gotten the hang of how to exactly to handle this with with grace exactly well so what do you think we should do about santa like do you have an opinion on it yes um you know uh so i tend to work with preteens and teens like middle school and high school age kids 
And one thing, when, when you do this kind of work, therapy with kids, you realize um, as time passes that kids get to be kids, little, young, playful, for so little time in their lives now because they're because of the technology and, and things I'm sure you guys have talked about on your on your podcast in the past. Um, so what used to be innocence up until 12 or 13 or 14 years old, now a seven or eight year old might be onto it, you know, um, no matter what it is, um, whether it's something happening in the world or whether it's whether Santa Claus exists or not. So I have this bias in favor. I, I don't love the idea of lying to your kids at all. And in, so to contradict myself, I don't mind lying to your kids about this. <laughs> I don't mind the idea of, of playing out the Santa bit for several years of your child's life. I think the trickier part is when do you decide to either tell them or let them know? I, I think the back end is the harder part. The first few years are a little bit easier because I think the culture kind of allows for two, three, four, five-year-olds to go and sit on Santa's lap and the whole feel of uh, the magic of the, of the season and, and the specialness of it all. I think kids really envelop themselves in that for several years. But I do think there's a point at which, you know, they kind of turn their heads a little bit. They've heard some things from friends and then they're not sure how to handle it at some point. You think about it, John, like we, we all grew up on it and we're here to tell the story now. So I, I don't really, I agree with you. I don't see it being a problem. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, uh, so you were talking about how you found out. I remember how I found out because it was a shock to me. My older sister, who at the time was 13, I was nine, took me into my parents' room, opened up the uh, upper cupboard and said, see this watch? You're going to get this from Santa. (laughs) Yes. I mean, she was, Mary Ellen was not always the nicest kid. (laughs) (laughs) She'd become a much, much kinder adult. But, but I, that was the moment. And and I had a moment where I was like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, like, and I, it took me um, probably five minutes to assimilate the whole thing. I think I broke into tears for a moment, but I was fine, you know, and I, and I think this is, uh, this happens for a lot of kids that they find out from a peer and they play it cool. Like, Oh yeah, of course I know, you know, um, or the same thing happens with a sibling that happened to me. Um, and now I, I don't know if I love that rite of passage, but I don't think it's terribly damaging either. I think the good that it does beforehand, um, outweighs the moment um, in a lot of ways. And I don't think, I haven't worked with many kids who come into therapy saying, I'm really having a hard time with depression, anxiety, or attention issues because my parents weren't honest with me about Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but now, but there are critics who say that it, it betrays trust, that, you know, our jobs as parents, um, we should be teaching them reality. Um, yeah. What should we say to those critics? Take okay, a chill so, pill? Yeah, I, I uh, right. <laughs> no, I, I get that. I, I, I do get that point. I think um, our generation of parents, ha- we have be- had to become more and more reality-based than any generation before us because of everything that our kids are exposed to on, you know, on their iPads, um, if for no other place, at very, very young ages. So um, I, I think we get this pass. Um, and, and again, 
I don't have the best reasons for it other than I like the idea of the magic and the spirit. Um, one thing I learned that I think kind of circumvents the trust issue, um, when I was, uh, this is another personal story, but I've, I've encouraged the parents to use this. And I think one of you was talking a little bit about this a moment ago. Um, when I was a kid, my parents used to have Christmas parties and um, on Christmas Eve, and my, ho- my bedroom happened to be in the front of the house. And my younger brother and I, one night, we looked out the window. Um, this was Christmas Eve, 1972, I believe. And we saw my father and Santa Claus get into an Oldsmobile. They were both smoking cigarettes, <laughs> and they drove away. And so my son, who is now 23, um, when somebody asks him, do you believe in Santa Claus? He says, well, I don't have any choice. My dad saw him. So I, <laughs> my dad saw him. He saw him at our house on Christmas Eve. So I've talked to parents about, like, you know, there's probably a way to kind of um, ease this a little bit and um, make it not this absolute moment of truth, you know. So when, when my son George asked me, you know, like, hey, listen, Michael at school told me there was no Santa Claus. What's the deal? Um, I was able to say to him, I don't know, man. I I saw Santa, you know, like, and there was this kind of like, we had this a little wink and a nod between us. Like, you know, I saw him. So I, I couldn't tell you for sure, but, you know, there's some gifts I don't remember getting. And there, it does feel like a pretty special time of year. And one Christmas Eve, I saw him, you know, smoking a cigarette with <laughs> Grandpa Walt. So I don't know. <laughs> you know like, you tell me. And, and so I've worked with parents and kind of coached them through, like, you know, did you ever have a moment? Could you say, like, this is part of the spirit of the season? Or, you know, like, you see Santas everywhere, so maybe there's even more than one, and maybe ease your way to to the truth instead of having this moment that's kind of, that's kind of harsh and stark, you know? Yeah, so slide into it or, or drop hints, but not, you know, have the sort of drop-dead conversation. Yeah, I think the drop-dead conversation, well, and I can speak from experience a little bit, is, is it's a harsh moment. It's a difficult moment. Um in terms of uh, your your question earlier was about trust. And I think we have so many other ways that we gain trust with our children um, that I really don't think, I think about the emotional bank account and, um, and, and we build up such balances, most of us parents, in our emotional bank accounts with our children that I don't think we betray their trust enormously with this, with this one bit that actually makes them feel really very happy for an enormous part of their childhood. So, John, does that make sense? It does. Exactly. And, John, I, I'm reminded um, when my kids were little and Tracy's sister's kids were little, um, we had a, a friend, a very giant friend, who would come over as Santa, <laughs> um, Dana, yeah. Dana, and he would come over, he'd show up, and the kids were all, like, thought Santa was coming over, and he would, and <laughs> often he would, like, bring them like a, a bottle of jolt and some skittles you know his his joke was to, um but and and he would give them presents and i we have pictures of these kids as babies you yeah. know watching santa come through the door and sweating profusely and smelling of alcohol um, <laughs> right but then 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 santa would go downstairs to leave out through the garage and um and then suddenly our friend dana would come upstairs and be like what did i miss him again oh but wow but one year 
my Sophie went downstairs and found Santa's bag of, of, of costume. And she's like, Santa left his outfit here. Oh, no. <laughs> so we had to we had to scoop that up and, and pretend to take it, to, like to deliver it to the North Pole. <laughs> so, John, I have a question. This How is tricky. Yeah. Th- we're talking about, you know, you were talking about the end that the end is is uh is often difficult and and, hot and tough what do you have any suggestions yeah. um because uh you know my kids are fine now but um when when the process of discovery happened and we had the you know the point blank conversation it was actually a drop dead conversation because he point blank asked yep. me um yep. it was it was rough because he, he he was sad and then i think he was sad that he asked like he kind of yeah. wished he wasn't so inquisitive <laughs> and mm-hmm. he saw me crying as well. Do you have any tips on like how to nurse that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so uh, th- there's a couple of considerations I encourage parents to um, think about when it comes to that time, when it, when it's time either to, you know, uh, say the truth or just to hold back and, and give it another year, for example. Um, one is to consider the age of your child and, and it's important to remember that kids know more at younger ages than we did. So if you think like, oh, well, I was 12 or 13 years old, there, I don't think there's a 12 or 13-year-old in North America right now that isn't very aware. Um, you know, I think, I think we've, we've got to address this at earlier ages. Um, and the sensitivity level of your child is, is important to, to think about, too. Um, I think you had no choice in that moment. I actually like the way you handled it. And I don't mind that moment of pathos. You know, I, I think that, you know, to share that moment and to both be sad in that moment is okay. I, I think that um, it kind of suggests like, you know, sometimes life isn't exactly what we picture and we have to kind of work through that and move on through that. And it's, um, and sometimes what we learn is a bummer, you know, and, and, um, but, but, it's okay because we're here. We have each other. Christmas can still be a real special time. Um, I suspect for most parents I work with, I always suspect that, that it's harder on them than it is on their kids. You know, the, the kids bounce back from this pretty quickly. Yes. Um, you know, in, in minutes, not, not in days or hours or weeks, typically. Um, whereas we parents, I think this feels like you were saying earlier, like, ooh, this feels like, the, the end of childhood or something, the loss of innocence, something enormous has shifted. But usually that's a rite of passage, if I'm being honest, for us as parents, not necessarily for our kids who, as long as, you know, they, they kind of tick off a box or a series of boxes in their heads. Okay, Santa Claus doesn't exist. Nobody's telling me there won't be gifts under the tree. Nobody's going to tell me there's not going to be a tree. There's a lot of good things that are still here. It's still going to feel special it's just different than I thought, you know, and, um, and so I'm going to have to, and that might raise another question about the Easter bunny or the elf on the shelf or something like that. Um, but, but I think it's okay for our kids to work through that moment. And I kind of like that you were emotionally self revealing to your child instead of hiding how you felt. Um, because in a way it's like, okay, so we're going to go through this emotional moment together and, you know, and, and, and there's something, um, elegant about that, that I kind of like, and I can imagine that your child one day will remember, like, geez, remember the day when I asked you and I wish I hadn't asked you. And, you know, it might, it might become, it might morph into a fond memory with time. It's funny you say that because, um, I didn't know 
what to say. And I had this letter and it's on the internet and I personalized it. He kept it and put it and he folded it up and put it in his nightstand and he, go, oh. he would go back and read it and it, it just broke my heart every single time. And oh. I like get emotional thinking about it right now because it was so dear. Yeah, it was so, it was so sweet and, and innocent and like it was so pure. I, I loved it and he held on to it. It's still in his drawer. Oh my God. This is years oh later. He still has it. It's in his drawer. What was the gist of the letter? Uh, it's on it's on the internet. Just the ma- that now you're in on the this, magic, the magic. Yeah, that, that it's, there is no just oh. one Santa. It's many people working together and so on and so forth. What a great model. Um, that might be something ni- nice to put a link up to or something just to let people know this is one way to handle that. And um, and it's a nice reference. I kind of like that ritual and the um, just just the object that he has, right? The letter that he has to refer back to, and um, and I don't know how it feels to you when he refers back to it. I don't know if it seems like it's a comforting thing or just a heartbreaking thing. What is it like for me to see him look at it after he hasn't done yeah. it in a while? But when he did go back to it, I think it was just part of his process of of yeah. understanding it and knowing and just being sad and, and dealing with dis- and disappointment. And set and just being like, this is a bummer. But I, I'm gonna. I'm, what a, what I'm, a great I'm way to to it. allow him the option of kind of like absorbing this news on over his own. a period of time, right? Yes. Yeah, on his own over a period of time, and then if he needed a moment to to cry about it and be sad about it, because for for some kids, this is there is a moment of grief or maybe a, a series of moments of grief, and we all know that that that's. A process. That's not a moment in time. And yeah, it's so, not done in over in a minute. No, no, not not for any of us. When we lose anybody that we believe is there and real and um, and shows up for us every year, and so I like the idea of you know kind of creating that transitional object so that he can kind of relate to that and bring that back and you know kind of revisit the process at his will and step away from it and have regular life the rest of the time you know that's uh i don't know if that was your intent but man does that does that seem like a really really wise way to handle a very tricky situation we've kind of co-created for for ourselves exactly so moving away from santa john um what about the tooth fairy i was getting my hair done yesterday and this guy jamie who owns the place says the tooth fairy is someone who pays kids when teeth fall out of their heads I was like, that is not wow. That's all. <laughs> so let me ask Tracy. Your your kids don't still no. believe, right? Mm-mm. How did they find out? Uh, I think it was another point blank question. Just they asked. Yeah, they just said because there's you know just exactly like John said. There's talk on the playground. Like kids lose their teeth at school, so there's t- discussion sure. about it naturally. When a kid has to go down to the nurse and get the little necklace that they put around their their. Okay, with their, with you, their kids, you, you people in the suburbs are too. You don't get that? No, no, we get a plastic bag. Oh no, they have this little no. necklace thing with a little, and it's a tooth, and it, you <laughs> pop it open like a little box. Oh, good lord! <laughs> um, well, I got to tell you, our kids are diabolical, and um, they tricked us. And uh, my the, my girls are about two years apart, and one of them lost a tooth and put it under her pillow without telling us, and. There might have been it might have been that Clark and I were drinking too, but um, but either way, we, <laughs> but we failed to put money under the pillow, and then they were like, 
the tooth fairy isn't real. And so then we tried to make up for it by slipping a 20 under the bed and saying the tooth fairy just had bad aim. And uh, they did not believe it. So um, that was, they, they actually trapped us. Is the tooth fairy different from Santa? Santa's part of a, a huge season and, and a, an idea yeah. of giving to people and, and um, uh, being part of something. The tooth fairy really does pay you when something falls out of your head so is, is exactly right um i think there is uh, by and large uh, and not, not to overgeneralize here far less attachment to the tooth fairy itself the tooth fairy's gifts i think i think there's an attachment there and i do think it brings out the diabolical in our kids santa santa claus does this sometimes too but um I've worked with a lot of kids when we've talked about the tooth fairy. Um, and my wife and I actually did talk about this on a, on a podcast one time. And she asked me about this. And uh, and thinking back, I've worked with a lot of kids who never really bought it. Like, you know, somehow they can buy that, okay, Santa visits, you know, seven and a half billion <laughs> human beings in, in a few hours. But somehow this, 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 other, this other thing doesn't add up with the tooth falling out of that thing. <laughs> So I'm not sure where the logic is for children in this, but um, but I've worked with a lot of kids who at a very young age didn't buy it, but they were thinking, you know, well, if there's a dollar in it or five bucks or whatever, um, I'm all in, and I'll I'll play up the magic with mom and dad. You know, oh, look what look what was left under my pillow. But knowing full well, like, I know you left it there, you know, or I was awake when you left it there, <laughs> you know, like I've gotten that too. Like I can hear my dad come in, he's he's really loud, and he lifts my head up and – um, so I yeah. think there's there's less <laughs> there's less gravity here. I think we have to think this one through a little less than Santa Claus that that's so ingrained in the culture for a month or more out of every single year. Right, the Tooth Fairy is periodic. It's um, it feels like a, it, when you think about it, it is an odd reward, isn't it? I never really thought about yes, a tooth falls out of your head and you you've earned something for that. Yeah. Bizarre. Um, yeah, and, and that uh, the tooth fairy I've always thought was a little unnecessary in terms of the, you know bringing magic to our children's lives. But I will say, you know, like I, I play that up um, in part because it just felt like tradition, and I knew that um, my son's cousins, who were the same age, were going to have a tooth fairy, and so I thought, well, um, I don't think there's any significant harm in this. And relative to it, I, and I hate to keep referencing the emotional bank account, but I, I always figure, mm, worst case scenario, it's a, it's a little withdrawal, but we've got a lot of deposit in there. So I think we're, the balance is, is well into the black. So even if I get, even if I get in a little bit of trouble here with him on, on that, as long as we're in the black solidly, I think we're going to be okay. I like the bank account That's kind analogy. of how I look at the truth there. Yeah. yeah does that work? Yes. The the other thing about the tooth fairy that that is uh, confounds me is that the tooth fairy leaves different amounts of money for different kids. So we right. gave our uh, uh, the tooth fairy brought two dollar bills to my girls because we didn't realize they were out of print, and uh, that was the tradition. And then I had to go to the bank and get like twenty two dollar bills, but <laughs> someone else got right. five dollar bills, and I and the tooth fairy clearly liked those kids more than she liked my kids. So. Yeah, they, but they don't pay attention. Like it's a oh my kids did <laughs> really yeah. It was like a one-off well, thing. I think, and that's then I... A play, I think that's a playground discussion um, in the city and the suburbs, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> I think exactly. do compare what the tooth fairy leaves them. Yes. Yes. Um, so one of the comments we got on, on Facebook sort of struck a chord for me, and um, I think it puts it all of this into perspective. Uh, one of our uh, Facebook friends, Tracy, said, 
Uh, my mother had Alzheimer's when she was 52. I'm 52. The only positive I took from her disease was to make memories. As many and as off the wall as you can. We started our leprechaun trap when my oldest was old enough to hold a paintbrush. It's hideous. Every year it got embellished and eventually got, got expanded where it had a bathroom shower, playground, rope ladder, and a rock climbing wall. Uh, each year my kids, who are now 14 and 11, look forward to dragging it out and talking about each year and the year they, they tried to sticky tape him in a glue trap, and they still have a piece of fabric when they almost got him. Each note is carefully unfolded in red. Obviously, they know, but they're clinging to a shred of childhood for themselves and for me. So I'm a sentimental idiot and hope my kids will tell stories of their mom when I can't. And that mm. that really struck a chord to me mm. because, you know, we're here for a brief amount of time, really. And, um, and creating memories is pretty much all we can hope for, right? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, well, what a... What a what a beautiful story. And um, yeah, I mean, right. Uh, maybe that's the most important point of all of this is um, the idea behind this is to create memories. And um, and maybe that's what um, that that's how this was all concocted in the first place. Right. Is uh, this is a time of year um, when, you know, we, we get our families together. And in the little bit of time, it sounds like your kids are much younger than mine, but my son is 23. I'm telling stories about things that happened when he was five or six. And as you guys probably hear over and over again, that doesn't seem that long ago. You know, yeah. um, this, this time is fleeting, you know, and um, um, and then suddenly you are talking to an adult and you're trying to you're just asking kind of in a cavalier way, like, you know, what gift cards you need this year? <laughs> and it becomes very, very ordinary and routine and drab. And um, and so those few magic years are are becoming fewer, um, which which I lament um because i i have such fond memories of the holidays when i was a kid um i i I hope that we created that for my son a lot of the kids i work with um have that as well and i hope we're not squeezing those years too much so that there's just too few of them and the memories don't linger great point exactly um so thank you dr john duffy author of the available parent and co-host of wgn plus podcast better we so appreciate your insight um and also your personal stories you know uh we always talk about being average parents you're a guy with you know with credentials but we we like hearing your stories too well i suspect you guys are good parents thanks for having me thank Thank you you so so much much. john (laughs) take care so apparently it depends on your family there's pluses and minuses and as John said, time is fleeting. And you know what? There's so little time that kids are able to be a kid mm-hmm. anymore. It's They're growing up faster, not they're growing up developmentally or like sophisticatedly different than when we were kids. And let's just let them be kids. If we still have that time, right? Um, it's over for me. I know. And um, the other thing that I read, and this is a little bit of a Debbie Downer, but um, when they do find out, there are people who say that that teaches them to question everything they're told. So it gives them critical thinking <laughs> skills. That's glass half full. Okay. Yeah. But it's also kind of a bummer, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. But it's reality, let's be honest. Yeah. So we'd love to continue talking about this with you. Tell us how you handle the traditions of holidays and losing teeth. <laughs> Check us out on our Facebook page at Apparently. Uh, give us a call at 331-704-0046. Or email us at apparentlypodcast at gmail.com. This is a WGN Plus podcast. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. 
Thanks for listening to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it, they stop and take a look.